Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much and happy reading. Hello, it is April 5th and Diane and Mary are here recording another episode of Bookish Besties. Hi, Diane. Hey, Mary. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you doing today? You know, we've made it to April. I'm kind of excited. It seemed like March had 126 days. Um... But we're good. We are good. It's Palm Sunday, which feels kind of weird, you know, not to be in church or doing any of that kind of stuff that I normally do. And the girls were just asking, like, are we doing Easter? Are we? I'm like, well, Easter is going to happen. I don't know that we're going to like there's no baskets or I didn't buy anything 20 weeks ago before, you know, <laughs> So I think we're going to, I don't know, it's a whole new world. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. It's finally starting to warm up a little bit here in Wisconsin. Uh, We've been having, let's see, 50s and it's even going to get up to 70 this week. So I think everyone's really excited. But the sun is out. Oh, yeah, I think we're acclimating a little bit to the whole quarantine life. But I'm sure like everybody, you know, there's good moments and bad moments and stressful moments. But yeah, otherwise we're doing really well. Uh, Yeah. So uh, as we were talking before we we started recording, uh, I am Eastern Orthodox and we don't celebrate Easter at the same time. Mine is actually a week later this year. So not this, not today, but next Sunday is our Palm Sunday. So I think I'll probably watch like some, they do like live streaming from, a number of churches, so I might watch a live stream. Have you guys done that? My little parish here is um, live streaming, and my pastor was um, featured in an article in the New York Times last week. Like, really? I live in a tiny little island in South Carolina. Like, it was crazy, mm. but um, he's also the rector for the um, fire and rescue department here in our town, and oh. and. Um, some restaurants have lined up to feed um, any, I think it was firefighters, paramedics, police officers, and their families for free. Like you just had to go to the certain restaurant at the certain times. And he kind of helped to orchestrate that because although they, the, the main workers, you know, the firefighters or the police officers are still getting paid, most of them have partners who work who aren't getting paid. And so things are just tight all around so he was featured in an article he's a great guy but he was featured in the new york times which was exciting for our little our little island community that's (laughs) exciting well uh let's talk about books so 
lots of bookish news that has been going on in the past week. I mean, and I think this is news that's happening all across, like, the arts. You know, when they talk about movies, when they talk about books, lots of things are getting pushed out as far as launch dates. Uh, movies are getting pushed out right. to the end of the year. Um, but one of the things that – and, Diane, you sent this over to me. How about how about you tell me a little bit about what you what you found? Well, it, it was much more newsworthy to me than, than uh, you all are, have already dealt with it in real life. But um, Barnes and Noble has temporarily closed over 400 of their 627 stores. So, you know, doing the math, that's less than like 220 some that are still open, mm-hmm. which I was shocked that it was that many. And then when I was sharing that article with you, that that already impacted y'all, right? Yes. So my my boyfriend is a very loyal reader of a, uh, a a very prolific crime author. He puts this this author puts out uh, a book a year, uh, and I promised I wouldn't talk about which author it was <laughs> for him. But he lo- okay. <laughs> he loves this author. It's really the only author he reads, and he ha- this he has a, a new book coming out, and he pre ordered it. Pre-ordered a signed copy, hardcover. He already has his little, like, plastic wrap for it. And um, because of the quarantine, he wanted to change the address of where it was going to. And he called Barnes & Noble, our local store, and they said they don't even know if they were going to be around uh, by the time that this book came out. I think it was, like, in mid mid to late May. Um, So he had to cancel the order, and we're going to have to figure out how to get, get his book, you know, at that time. If it doesn't get delayed, which it could. You know, I haven't heard anything yet about it, but... It very well could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was. Yeah, I think the number. Point. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't actually have a Barnes & Noble in my town. Um, there's one where I used to live in that town. And so, um, I, but I think they are closed. But the article said it was over 35,000. I read it twice to make sure it wasn't 3,500. 35,000 employees have been laid off from just the Barnes & Noble's closing. Like, that's huge. Right. And I mean, this is, you know, this is one of the last brick and mortar bookstores chains that are out there. And if it's affecting right. them, think about how it affects the indie indie bookstores. Now, I know there's been a big movement to really like support indie bookstores and people are doing a you know I, I see it on instagram everywhere you know people are ordering merchandise and, and pre-ordering books or even just uh doing gift cards you know for your local bookstore um but yeah some of these places they just have barnes and noble right i did see um i'm not sure if you're familiar with bink it's b-i-n-c it's the book industry charitable foundation mm-hmm. And they do great work. So it's through, um, you know, independent booksellers and um, independent bookstore owners um, can put in a petition or a bid, you know, to get some of this money. And there, lots of people are donating. But James Patterson last week donated um, $500,000. Yeah, I saw that. To get it going. And... Reese Witherspoon's book club is, um, you know, pushing it. There's a hashtag save indie bookstores and they're they're That's helping to raise some money and, and certainly awareness. But mm-hmm. I wonder almost 
if, you know, the, the, one of the huge benefits of an indie bookstore is that community, right? That right. sense of place that, that they have. And, and I wonder if they're going to not come out ahead of the big Barnes and Nobles just because people are so much more invested. Like, I loved having, an in, having a Barnes and Noble in my town. I must say, the girls and I went there all the time. But having an indie, it's like there's different kinds of, you feel ownership of, of its success, you mm-hmm. know? So I wonder if the indies aren't going to, in the long run, do better than than the big stores. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to, you know, to find out how how they all come out on the other side of this. Because I think, you know, just being, you know, just being realistic, some stores are not going to make it. And right, absolutely. Some will. Um, some will be better off, you know, because they made it. Some are going to still struggle after that. And I think it's really important, you know, as a community, you know, whatever community that you're in, I think it's just really important that we continue to support them. You know, and it's not like you have to go and buy books from them. You can buy a $10 gift card. You know, sometimes a lot of these um, a lot of these indie bookstores even have other merchandise that they're selling. You know, it's not just books that you need to buy. There are other ways that you can right. support. And heck, if you don't, you know, a lot, I know also a lot of people are in, you know, shaky financial ground. You know, just share something on social media. Just get the word out. You know, if you can't spend money, then just, you know, talk about it on Facebook or, or share something on Instagram. You know, just... I, I feel like we all can do something, you know, it, whether you can put money towards it or not, um, you know, and everybody's situation is unique, but we're, we're here right. because we love books and we're here because we we want to see books continue to be successful and we want to read continuously. I mean, what what else have we been doing this during this time? Is right. Reading. Might as well get some new books. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. So Mary, you know, I um, was going to open an indie bookstore about, mm-hmm. I guess it's been almost three years ago now, and and life took a different turn for me at that time. I'm, it's still the dream. I, I still am going to some way, someday, somehow do that, I think. I don't know what it will look like. But one of the big things that I learned is that um, uh, indie booksellers, the margin of money that you make from selling a book is a very small percentage, but the sideline items, the t-shirts or the bags, the tote bags or the gift cards, that makes you a lot more money. So I placed an order from one of my favorite indie bookstores and I lit- I bought two t-shirts and a um, tote bag because I needed another tote bag. But I knew <laughs> that she was going to make 50% of the money from the sale of the t-shirts and the tote bag, 50% mm-hmm. where a book she maybe was going to make 20. So, um, you know, if, if you are going to want to put your dollars to use um, and you don't have any burning new books, get a t-shirt from them, get a, get a book, do, get a bag, do whatever you can. And I think you're so right, Mary, in helping to spread the word. I don't even think that the economic impact has hit everyone yet. No. You know, there's going to be this trickle down, like a lot of people are still okay on that borderline okay. And so I think even when we start, you know, traveling about the world freely again, there's going to, it's going to be a couple months before people are, or longer, before people are spending, you know, mm-hmm. you and I might not think books are a non-essential. We think they are an essential, but, but they're actually not. Like, you know, um, people have to feed their children and clothe their children and put a, keep a roof over everyone's right. head. Yeah. I, you know, 
I I try to limit my book buying um, just because I keep on buying books. Like if there's a sale <laughs> on Kindle, you know, I can easily spend $20 in a day, you know, on like five or six books. Um, and I try not to do that. So I really try to be very purposeful with my reading. Uh, and then, you know, one of the things I always I loved the library, too. And I've been worried about libraries yes. as well. Uh, in my uh, in my city, in Madison, we just opened a new, like on the 12th was the grand, uh, March 12th was the grand opening of a new library branch, uh, which is my library branch. And I was so excited to, to finally get to see it. But, you know, with all the, the virus, you know, precautions, it's like, okay, I don't even want to be in there for sure. more than like two minutes. So I'm, I'm hoping they do a re a repeat of the grand opening because I, I don't think, uh, you know, at the timing really did it justice. But, you know, I, I do, I am concerned right. about libraries, even though libraries will, are probably uh, more stable than a, you know, the books, the bookstores. Yeah, I really don't know what's happening with library funding. I have a friend here who is um, in charge of our little library. Maybe we could have him as a guest, but I don't know if library funding is being affected and our new books still coming in so the so when we all do get out library users will be so excited there'll be this whole backlist of books yeah. that nobody has read yet if, <laughs> if you're you know if you're exclusively a library user so that could be an exciting thing i know they're using our library parking lots as wi-fi hotspots oh. for kids who aren't in school who don't have internet access at home because so much we're doing e-learning here in south carolina but um not everybody has Wi-Fi at their house, internet access. So the libraries have all opened up their parking lots. You're not, the library building is closed, but it's free access to Wi-Fi, right. which is just another thing, right? Like libraries do so much for communities, so much more than give out books, which is huge, but, th but they are an integral part of our communities. Mm -hmm. So we should find out what's happening with library funding. I just don't know. Right. Yeah, I think you know maybe maybe next week I'll I'll, I'll take a look and, and next week we can kind of follow up and see what what is going on with them because I I am curious about you know how this can potentially yeah. impact them and maybe some ideas of what we can do uh, for libraries because we talk a lot about indie books bookstores and um, but yeah let's let's talk about yeah talk I think that's good that we do buy a lot of books here. Um, but we are weekly library users. Like, you know, we still go all the time. Yeah. Uh, there is something about a deadline on a book that helps my type A self get it done. Like when I buy a book, I, it doesn't oh, yeah. ever have to be read. It can be read in 10 years, 10 months. But when there's two weeks, I'm like, okay, I've got a plan. <laughs> I have to read this one now and get going. Mm -hmm. So I still love my library. Yeah, I'm 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 like that. Like whenever I have a deadline, either for like book club, book club, or for the library, I ration right, out right. reading. So, because I'm a big, and we're gonna talk about this in a minute about reading books. Um, but I like to savor books. You know, I don't like to read a book really fast because I like to like read a portion of it and then think about it and then go to the next piece of it. Or, you know, so I. I a good example is like for my book club, I had to read the book 1984. This was a few years ago. Uh, it's a heavy Now, was that book. your first reading, Mary? Or had you read it like in high school? 
Okay. That was okay. my first reading, actually. We didn't have to read it. I, I don't remember reading in high school. But yeah, no, that was my first reading. And um, it's it's a heavy topic, you know, and, you know, it's depressing too. So you don't really want to read. You, some people probably do want to read it pretty quickly, but I, I decided not to. So I just saved like, all right, it's 400 pages. I'm going to read 100 pages a weekend. And so I just sat, like put down a Saturday for a couple hours and, and read and then I got it done pretty quickly, but that's that's what I'll do, especially if I have a deadline. Yeah, I, I do some books that I'm enjoying thoroughly, and I don't want them to end. Like, I don't want to leave the company of these mm-hmm. characters. I will slow down at the end so much so that I'm like, you know, I have three chapters. I've had three chapters left for six days because <laughs> I just I just know that when I get to mm-hmm. the end, you know, it's only whatever, 40 pages, I could do that in whatever but I'm like no I'm not ready for this party to be over I'm not ready for these guests to leave my house (laughs) but it well and I think that's I think that's really you know I think that's a good point you know sometimes you just devour a book you read it so quickly that um you know it, it you've when you when you look back on it you're like Oh, I think I need to read this again. I need to read it slowly. You know, I have had a couple of my, we're going to talk about, um, kind of do a reading recap of our March reads. And actually mm. two of the books that made, so I read 15 books in March and two of the books that made my list, I had already read one of them a long time ago, one of them a few months. And then I reread them for book club. One is a book study that we do at church, which is very different than a book club. Like we literally, it's a very academic and it's, you know, it's in, the, we go deep. Um, so I read that again. That was Cigar Factory by Michelle Moore. And it, that's actually about Charleston, about right where I, right where we live. And, um, mm-hmm. and I read it with a different lens and I, I loved it the first time, but I got so much more out of it with a reread. And the same thing happened for me. I read The Dutch House before it came out by Ann Patchett. And then it was uh, my book club book last month in March. And so I read it deeper. Oh, and I loved it even more. And honestly, that one, I half listened to it for my reread. And um, Tom Hanks is the narrator for that audiobook. Oh, he did such a great job. So if anybody is looking for a fabulous audiobook this month or whenever, The Dutch House by Ann Patchett, which is read by Tom Hanks, is a you won't be disappointed. Have you listened to that one, Mary? I have not, but I have heard that it's been it's, it's so good. It's yeah. Um you know, so when you're when you're talking about, you know, you've read, you read fifteen books last yeah. last month. That's an extra, that's an extraordinary number of books <laughs> to read for me. I mean, I think some people are like fifteen. I can do fifteen, no problem. <clears throat> but for me, um, you know, I, I I did not read fifteen <laughs> books last month. Um, but you know. Do you like how do you, how do you track your books? Like how do sure. you um how do you Okay, do well you first that? of all, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to give an uh, a disclaimer for both of us. Mary works a full-time plus job and reads 
mm. and does a podcast and is a daughter and a girlfriend and a sister and all those things. And I, um, in the month of March, my husband has um, been quarantined in a different state where than where I am. And I only have two of five kids at home and I do not work a full-time job. So that explains a little bit of a difference in our numbers. My, my time constraints are not the same as Mary's. Now, how do I track? So I do use Goodreads, but what's interesting is I don't, I know a lot of people use Goodreads and have a shelf they have made themselves called DNR, DNF, do not, did not finish, did not finish shelf. Mm -hmm. And I do not do that. This month for every book I started, I mean, I don't know what the real number is, but I probably attempted between three and four, if not five books for every one I completed. And it had nothing to do with the books or the authors or how they were written. Um, but it just was where my head was this month, this past month. And so I would like to do a better job of keeping track because I imagine I will go back to every one of those books that I put down and I probably will adore some of them. But this just wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. So I need to think about, do I keep that shelf on Goodreads of did not finish? Right now, it's a literal stack next to my bed on the floor, you know, 25 books high. But right. how do you keep track of what you've read, Mary? Do you Are you a Goodreads user? Yes, I, I do use Goodreads um, to, to, to uh, for everything I finish. Uh, I, I do update with Goodreads and I'm usually pretty quick about that um, and, but now I just I remember that I haven't done it for all of March I haven't updated any of the books which is weird for me because I'm, I'm right away like okay here I am you know this is my my book I got to make sure that I write it down but uh, I did not do that with the ones that I have read uh, this month so I have to make sure that I, I get that on there the thing about Goodreads uh, and I agree with you the DNF piece is is not there and like for me it's it's different you know sometimes I'm just not in the mood to finish it I want to finish it like I'm enjoying it but something happens or you know my my attention gets pulled elsewhere and I just don't get a chance to to finish it so I'll just put it down but there's no real good way for tracking that uh on, on Goodreads that I have found I, I know that a lot of people will just put like one star and then say DNF and I don't know if that's necessarily fair because sometimes a book may get better uh, when it gets to gets to that point. And, and sometimes I think a lot of it just has to do with the person's mood or their mindset, especially right now. You know, who knows what people are, are feeling. But I think our, our mutual friend even once said to us, you know, I, I just don't know what to read right now. I'm a mood reader and I just don't. I'm not I don't know what I'm in the mood for you know when all this uh, quarantine started so uh, absolutely but yeah I do use good goodreads I don't think it's necessarily the best platform for uh for for like tracking your books I have a couple of of gripes first you can only do full like whole stars like you can't do half stars like I want to give half stars or maybe even Ex I totally agree with that or quarter yes. stars Goodreads, if you're listening to this, give us quarter stars, please. Because sometimes, please, <laughs> please, because for me, a three is much different than a 3.5. And, and sometimes 
I want to give a 3.75, you know, so that's right. That's how I And feel. I would like to say, and for me, a three is a good book. Yes. Yeah. Like, I feel like a three doesn't seem very, but that's a good book for me. You know, there's so much anxiety around writing a book, too. <laughs> we do this. I know, we right. We do this in my book club. Like, we go around and we give it stars. And some people, like, there's so much anxiety about what you give. You know, if it's five stars, I mean, that's like, that has to be an exceptional book. I hate it when I give something five stars and then the person sitting next to me gives it like three stars. Because <laughs> I know because you think five stars should be universal. Yeah. Like everybody should give it five. Yeah. And that's happened That's happened to me in, uh, in other situations too, where it's like, they give it five stars and I'm like, eh, maybe two and a half. <laughs> But, you know, that's (laughs) honestly, though, that is the mark of a good book. It'll be a good discussion. Yes. You know, one thing I our book club does that you guys might want to adopt, Mary, is that we go around and we say instead of stars, which I understand why y'all do that, but we say would recommend would recommend with reservations or heck no, save your twenty dollars. You know, so (laughs) um, I think that that would recommend with reservations is my most common default because I think that certain books speak to certain people differently. And, and in this particular book club there, it's pretty academic also. And so we've read some heavy books that a lot of my friends who are not big readers, like we are, are are not as devoted of book lovers. I don't want to turn them off to reading by giving them something that is so heavy. You know, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes Throw it in your beach bag. Like, I've got a list of those for you, too. And you'll just love it. But I usually, when we do book club, I do usually recommend with reservation is my default. Yeah. Do you uh, do you do any reading challenges? Like, because Goodreads has that reading challenge. Like, you have to read so many books a year. You set a goal, and that's how many books you read. Do you do that? You know, I used to do a lot of reading challenges. So before I... Um, was in the the bookstore buying kind of frenzy and I started thinking about books that I was going to purchase for the store that kind of overtook my pleasure reading because I just had I was reading so many advanced copies but what I liked about I haven't had necessarily reading slumps in my life but I've had years that I haven't read as many you know when kids were babies or you know I read a lot more kids books but I liked the idea of it jarring me out of my normal choices. Like, you know, you have to read a book in translation or you have to read a book from an immigrant or you have to read a book, you know, and I liked that. That kind of broadened my reading. I don't really have time right now. I, I have so many books and, you know, we're doing author interviews. So I just kind of go about reading what I need to read now. But I did enjoy them at the time. What about you, Mary? Do you do any reading challenges? Not anymore. I really don't do reading challenges. I I used to do them. I used to really get into them and, and, you know, try and read so many books a year. And um, I would also do like book challenges of, you know, reading like an author that you've never read before or a backlist or one in a different language. But I kind of fell out of it. I mean, I just, I want to read the things I want to read, even though I do like those types of, of the latter that I was just talking about with the the different genres. Um, I do think that that gets me out of my comfort zone 
Uh, so I do like those. So if I did do another one, I would probably consider doing something like that. But I'm not going to just read for the sake of reading and trying to get how many books that they're, that they're out there. I think if I can just, you know, get through my book club books and books that I have to read for the podcast, I will be a happy clam. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Have you, um, did you read anything in March, Mary, that you loved that you, that you want to share? I did. I read a few books uh, that I want to share. So the first is The Secrets We Kept. I read that for my book club. That was the one by Laura Prescott. Uh, I also read uh, Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan Henry, which I loved. Loved cool, it. Yeah. Um, and then I also read On Ocean Boulevard by Mary Alice Monroe. Yeah. yeah um, yes. I That was such a great, such a great book. So. Really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, And then I also read... Those are three um, really different books. The Most Fun We Ever Had. Um, And... They are. um, You know, and I'm kind of in the mood for maybe something a little bit different. Um, But I feel like I can read anything. Uh, My dad was like that. My mom is bigger into the books that are like one genre like she's a well I've got just the one for you (laughs) yes are you reading the winemaker's wife you so good so we are interviewing that author very soon and um I am not a huge historical fiction reader but I started that book I read that book in one sitting like it was literally 2 15 a.m. And I emailed her the next day. I'm like, Kristen, I didn't go to sleep until after two o'clock in the morning because I finished your book. But it was so good. We'll talk. We'll, we'll save that one. But we'll talk more about that when we interview the author. But I loved it. I read that book as well. Um, I just finished that the other day. And I yes. agree. I yeah. loved this book. Um, it was so well written. And you know, the thing about, you know, this is a World War II uh, book set in France in the Champagne Valley, Champagne region of France. And it's, it is definitely a genre that just seems to continue to be overdone um, to the point where it almost is, you know, tiresome. But this was just so well researched and so well written. Um, I, I'm so excited to share this with you guys in the next couple of days. Cause I think, no, I can, I have no spoilers. Love, like, it's so good though. It's so good. <laughs> yes. No spoilers. Yeah. I read that in March. Um, I am usually, I, I'm a fiction reader first and foremost, but I always have at least one or two books a month that are nonfiction. And I've talked about this one before, but I read Untamed, the new Glennon Doyle book. So I'm now, I've, I've read it twice already. And my, I've read it twice, yes. But they're short, they're little stories. You like, read it twice? Um, two or three page chapters. So it's like little vignettes, little stories all along. And it's super easy read. But my, the first time I read it, I just devoured it. I read it in a couple of hours. And then 
I just finished this morning actually going back and I wrote all over it and I underlined and I put yes or what, you know, and like there's marginalia everywhere. So I am usually in, in fiction books, I don't write in them. So I usually, marginalia is when you write in books or, you know, take notes. I don't really do that in fiction books, but in my nonfiction, it's like a, it's really for me like a journal mm-hmm. entry. Like I write the date in the, on the front cover. So I know when I did all this noting and when I go back and look at them, I'm like, oh yeah, I know why that spoke to me right. then because this was X, Y, or Z was happening in my life. But, um, but yeah, I really loved that one. And then there were two Two other non or two other fictions that I read. I read A Good Neighbor by Teresa Ann Fowler, which was excellent. That's a pretty I you've probably seen the cover on Bookstagram. It has a big gold leaf on it. It was it was well written and a beautiful book. And then another summer read that's coming out is called Summer Longing by Jamie Brenner, who uh, I am interviewing on Tuesday. So that interview will drop soon, probably the week after this. But I loved it. It was so good and and really not formulaic at all. I thought she did a great job weaving the story and um, really enjoyed it. So those were my top five for for the month of March. Cigar Factory, Dutch House, Untamed, A Good Neighbor, and Summer Longing. So how how many books did you DNF? this month did you tell us already honestly I didn't count but uh, yeah if I read 15 I DNF'd at least 30 yeah. if not 40 wow and it and I really do believe it was me it was me not you <laughs> it, was, it was me not the books you know <laughs> oh so just my head so many space. books but so little time <laughs> exactly exactly Well, all right. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Thanks, Mary. See you soon. Happy reading. Bye, Diane. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist, produced by Lily Barnett. Find us on Instagram at Bookish Besties Podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.